Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little football. Let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Of course, former Ute quarterback. He's our Ute insider here on the Zone Radio Network. He is Frank Dolce. What's going on, Frank? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Hope everyone is doing well. Yeah, man, doing uh, doing terrific. We've got college football going. Uh, Utah, they have camp underway. We're hearing from coaches and players. We're talking about a quarterback race. Uh, it's it's uh, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. To get back to, to something like that, it it is nice. It's fun. It's kind of a a a, a distraction that we've been. I think we've been hoping for with all of the craziness going around. I was talking to somebody the other day. And we were just thinking, like, what next in 2020? I mean, this has been such an odd year with, uh, I mean, the political craziness that's going on and the pandemic and earthquakes and windstorms and wildfires. I mean, what next in 2020? I'll tell you one thing, uh, Frank. uh, These athletes who I watched uh, through the years are, are dying you know, Joe Morgan dies today, or I don't know if it was last night or this morning or whenever it was. Yeah. The great Joe Morgan. And there have been like six Hall of Famers who have died this year. It's it's weird when, uh, for those of you who are younger, you know, think about that. Because think about when when guys like uh, that, that you watch, especially those of you who are younger, uh, and then when as the years go by and suddenly these guys are gone, it, it, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a, a, it blows your mind, really. It does. Yeah, I, you know, of all of the, the athletes, of course, Kobe Bryant, uh, that was a crazy way to start the year. And, and then, you know, one of my, I, a guy that I never really got a chance to watch, but just the legend of Gail Sayers. I mean, that yeah. was like one of my all-time favorite guys and then who could forget the you know the way that joe morgan would would uh would prepare to hit a baseball with that his left arm you know the twitch that he had in his left arm as he was setting up to to bat um and all of these guys i i don't know maybe maybe we should take this uh take this discussion off air because we'll get into something deeper but all of these guys that we're talking about in some way were kind of um, heroes and and these are the guys that we looked up to and and uh, I don't know that that portion may have uh, well I don't know for some may have changed over the past year or so it's just an interesting it, it, where professional sports is headed um, is interesting I guess but I, you know maybe maybe not Charles Barkley once famously or infamously said I'm you know I'm nobody's role model so. 
Frank, want to talk to you about the quarterback race up there at Utah, and uh, they made the yeah. quarterbacks available today uh, to the media, and I thought it was interesting to hear from all three of them. But what do you expect the timeline to be for them to make a decision? And I'm guessing it won't be that way publicly, but internally, what do you think the timeline is? Well, they probably want to get to somebody as quickly as possible with a you know, with kind of this short runway getting getting ready for a game at the beginning of of uh, November. Uh, and so they, they've, they've trotted out three guys, and I, I think that's reasonable to think there are three guys in the race, but, but maybe more reasonable to say that there are two guys in the race. And my guess would be by the end of this week, we'll see – those two guys getting the majority of the reps with with um, guys who would be deemed starters or first team. And then as you start going through next week, um, that should, maybe it won't, but should start to separate even a little bit more. And then you, and then you're getting into game prep week and um, or so. And, and, and then you have one guy that's taken, should be taking the majority of the reps. I just can't see, you know, the, the, relative to the running back position, I can see Utah going into the first game with this kind of running back by committee and then determining after a game or two, a week or two into the season, which guy is going to carry most of the carry the ball most of the time from that position. I don't necessarily see that from the quarterback position, although I, I guess it could happen if you have two, two guys who are so closely aligned and I think that's the case with with Cam Rising and and with Jake Bentley is that they're pretty pretty closely aligned although as we talked about last week their talents are slightly different so I would guess by by the end of this week and going into next week you'll at least separate two guys and then the week after um, maybe one of those guys starts getting more reps so if it's that close uh, does it really matter to the average fan out there, or should it? I guess. No, I I think that's an excellent point. Uh, does it really matter? I personally, because of Andy Ludwig, I I don't know that it matters from from that position group. So you know, if, if you're saying, well, you have a guy that's more more capable, more efficient running the ball, and but also efficient throwing the ball versus a guy who is more capable throwing the ball but just efficient running the ball. Can you win with either of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what what we've seen Andy Ludwig do is demonstrate the ability to maximize the the, the talent available. The the question then becomes what you have around those guys if you if you if you have a if you have like let's just say for example that that utah could replace or or put into place three wide receivers like usc had a year ago and and you just take those three wide receivers and you put them on utah's roster and then you say well with all of that talent available on the outside 
then we probably should be looking at throwing the ball downfield. I mean, we're going to be stable in the run game, and that's going to allow us to open up the passing game a little bit more. And we have all of these guys who are just game changers on the outside. So, you know, we probably go with a guy that throws the ball downfield more effectively, or we have a little bit more confidence in the guy throwing the ball downfield. So that's one scenario. The other scenario is, well, we have a really, we have a really strong running game. We have a really good offensive line. Um, we're, we're not certain how we match up on the outside and, and you know, that's, that's not, we're not a hundred percent. We don't, we don't always feel, feel great about how, how we align against other teams and defenses on the outside. So, so we're going to, we're going to build around this run game and an athletic, more athletic mobile quarterback who, who gives us more options in disguising the pass game, because of play action and his own ability to run the football and have to keep a deep or, or, or keep a defense honest because they have to worry about about this quarterback position. So I think your point is is excellent. Does it really matter talent for talent? I don't think it matters. And the and and Coach Ludwig will manage those guys effectively. The next question is, I think, more important is what assets do you have available to make either one of those guys more successful? You know, Frank, real quick, sorry, Jake, but uh, it seems to me like when you have Andy Ludwig there, it creates that environment in a a wider comfort zone than it would be if you had some inexperienced offensive coordinator uh, putting this thing together. I think it certainly becomes more critical when you have an inexperienced guy of choosing, quote, unquote, the right guy because – uh, a more inexperienced offensive coordinator probably lacks the ability, um, not because he's not smart or talented, but maybe just because of experience, lacks the ability to to really get the most out of the guy calling the signals. I don't feel that way at all about Andy Ludwig. I, I feel like if he was saddled with a guy at quarterback who runs the ball more effectively, then he's going to figure out how to maximize the offense with that guy. Or if he has a guy who just is more efficient throwing the ball downfield and doesn't run the ball as effectively, then then he's going to maximize that guy and and all of the assets around him as well. Frank Dolce with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Frank, what did you think about the news we heard today that Jalen Dixon is transferring? Well, I I always, uh, you know... um, I guess you just have to become used to stuff like that happening. Uh, but th- there's another guy that is, you know, I, I feel like he was another guy that was just supremely talented um, and just felt like his, and and he probably believed he was, you know, he's supremely talented as well. And so he just, probably a, just a sense of not, getting to where he wants to be or being utilized the way he thinks he should be utilized. And don't forget that Utah had a couple of two or three, maybe more transfers a year ago who went out and became really successful, really productive with other programs. So I, I don't, I mean, for, for, for Utah, I hate seeing really good guys leave. Um, but I also feel like, you know what, if a guy 
can go maximize his talent elsewhere. Uh, maybe maybe you just give him that opportunity. I, I've kind of swayed on that a little bit back and forth. So I don't know exactly. It's, it, you know, at the very foundation, it doesn't feel right because maybe that's the way I grew up. But it, on the other side, you think, well, you, know, you have to give everybody an opportunity. I don't know how much you guys follow high school football, but there's this case right now in Utah where a quarterback from Roy High School – um, played three years at Roy High School and was very, very successful, highly successful at Roy. Put up really good numbers, threw for you know over 5,000 yards in his three years at Roy High School. And then for his senior year, he uh, transferred to uh, Corner Canyon High School, a program that throws the ball in an, an extraordinary number of times and is a powerhouse having only lost one time in the last three years. And, and so, and, and now he's, I mean, they, they're number one in the state and undefeated. And I don't know. How do you feel about that? Did, should he have any loyalty to Roy high school that gave him um, the opportunity to play as a freshman and he, where he threw 5,000 yards or, do we say no? Now, now this kid can go to a to a program and ta- possibly win a state title and maximize his exposure to Division One colleges and universities. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of a similar kind of a similar thing. On one level, I feel like, well, darn it, he he should have stayed at Roy and and given those guys a chance to win a state title. And they're doing very well, by the, by the way. And maybe the best way to handle is the way that, that head coach Roy Fernandez ha- handled it. He just said, you know what? He gave us three great years. We love him. Best of luck. It would be hard to quantify it, but I wonder how, what percentage of players who transfer end up in a better situation. I mean, on the field. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, some of these guys, they transfer and you don't hear much about them afterward, but it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Because it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Yeah, the first one I can really remember doing that is Jeff George. Yeah, I think he ended up at three different colleges. Do you remember that? Yeah, he was like, great coming out of where? Uh, state of Illinois. Illinois, yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was a, yeah, he was uh, supposed to be yeah, all Yeah, so he transferred successfully. And then Jeremiah Masoli was another guy who transferred successfully from Oregon to Ole Miss. And he transferred on the on the uh, graduate thing. Like Oregon didn't offer a graduate degree that Ole Miss offered, so so he went to Ole Miss, and he was he was pretty successful in his in his transfer. Uh, how about the guys? I mean, just look Troy, at the, Troy Aikman. The, Troy Aikman was a was a great great example. Just look at Washington State's program under Mike Leach. I mean, every single year he had a new transfer at quarterback and, you know, running up unbelievable numbers. And he's doing it again um, at, at uh, Mississippi State, where he's taken, he's taken the Stanford quarterback and, and is having some, some success there. So uh, I think it, I think it, it uh, obviously it happens. I, I think the successful transfer story is, um, is more reported but less actual than the guy who goes from one program to another and kind of does about the same. 
Do you think we'll have a winner, uh, Frank, of the the running back battle between uh, Brumf- uh, Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore? Will there be an RB one, or are we looking at both those guys for the the kind of the haul? I think no. I, I think that uh, I think we'll see both of those guys playing a lot in the first couple weeks of the season. I don't think they'll come, barring injury. I don't think they'll come out of camp with with an RB1. It's just, a, uh, I think it's a position group that's just too hard to tell in camp and, 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 you know, who's going to be more effective under, under the, you know, the game lights on the Saturday, Saturday evening. So, uh, and both of those guys, I think are very quality backs and there's plenty of film on both of them too. But I just, I, I just don't believe that, that Utah's going to name. It's just not been my experience with, with the university or anybody's, I think that they come out of camp with a multiple running back system having named one in the first week. And that's happened with, with lots of different, lots of different guys. And, and eventually, you know, one of them emerges. And I think that, you know, Zach Moss is, a, is an example of that and, and lots of other guys. And I think it's going to happen this year as well. Two, two guys will take the majority of the rotation for the first few weeks, two weeks, three weeks. And then maybe you settle on one of them. We've talked to you about this before, Frank, but with all the talent that uh, is missing from the Utah defense, do you think they just reload? And are you expecting them to be dominant? Well, I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know that I expect them to be dominant, but I think we we have to say our experience with the University of Utah and Coach Whittingham is that they do generally reload on the defensive side. So dominance might not fit with this unit, but capable, uh, I certainly, I, I feel like they have plenty of talent up front, maybe not the eight-man eight deep like they've had in the past couple years. Uh, I like the defensive backs, I, I like the talent there, and you have to replace a couple guys. That's difficult. But the way that Utah plays defensively, um, you know, mostly with that front seven, I feel like they're they're going to be in a good position. I I I'm leery to say dominant, but but um, capable may not even be strong enough. I think they're going to be solid. I think that'll be a solid defensive unit. Frank, we always appreciate you. Thanks for dropping by, buddy. Of course. Absolutely. You guys will never guess where I'm headed uh, this afternoon. In fact, my week is filled with one item that you'll you'll probably never guess. Ah, where you're headed. One hmm. item. Let's see here. Yeah. You're headed to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you say that, Jake, because you might consider it a dump, but no, it is uh, a soccer tournament. Ah, so uh. what my, you know, you call it the dump and, and, you know, Gordon and I will go with, you know, an, an unbelievable youth sports athletic activity. No, I thought maybe I, I had a tree down thanks to the wind uh, a few weeks ago. I thought maybe, you know, you're headed out to the dump. <laughs> well, I guess the facility, you can kind of consider it that, but no, it's, we're, we're headed for some soccer tournaments this week. Uh, Frank, how is your uh, how is your experience as a parent working out in that regard? It's 
uh, it's going well. I've learned that uh, I I used to get I, I I know I told you guys the stories, but I used to get pretty fired up being a parent, and and mostly because I was the you know a dumb parent yelling at the referees for every terrible call. Um, until one one day you realize that you know what I'm so I'm the parent on my kids' team, and I'm yelling at the referee for all the terrible calls. But then my counter counterpart on the other team, the other parent on the other team, is also yelling at the referee <laughs> for all the terrible calls. So no matter who you are on either side of the ball, there's some parent yelling at the referee for terrible calls. And, you know, it's not like one of us is right. We're probably both right. And we're both getting equally poor treatment from the referee. <laughs> so I like to sit socially distanced, of course, Plenty far away from every in my in my beach chair and a bag of sunflower seeds and do my best to just enjoy the opportunity for my for my kids and all the kids to go out and play. Where did you say you're headed? So we're headed to there's a couple, but uh, the the rack. If you are familiar with the the, the athletic com- complex called the Rack, with like twelve or fifteen different soccer fields, they also have rugby fields out there. And but that's where we're headed for for the state cup for uh, youth soccer. Well, right. enjoy your time at the Rack, Frank. Thanks for jumping on with us, buddy. Absolutely, I can maybe catch up with you guys afterwards if you want to join me for a couple games this week. All right, buddy. <laughs> you just let us know. <laughs> All right. You guys are the best. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, Frank. I've actually got an audio of Frank at his kids' soccer game. That sounds like it. Sounds just like him. Sounds just like, uh, just like Frank right there. Yeah, to dial it down just a notch or two, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to I w- I be a, a referee receiving the wrath of Frank Dolce. I'm looking good. forward to you guys having the parent experience with your kids playing sports. Uh, that's that's going <laughs> to. What if she doesn't want to play sports? Uh, if she does, Austin, you're going to do everything you can to provide every opportunity you can. And I want to see Austin standing on the sideline when that happens. See, I, I, I picture myself, you know, if Sadie wants to get into sports, I picture myself as the type of parent that's actually at home watching TV. You're not even going to go? Maybe he'll line up a carpool with another parent on the team. Right. Yeah, well, maybe, But maybe. you're not driving the carpool. You know. You're not going to support your kid in whatever it is they choose they want to do? Probably not. Where, where in the laws of this land does it say he has to? <laughs> I've got I to rerun a law and order on. It's, it's Jack McCoy and, and Claire, my favorite duo. Come on, Jake. you got to support your kids. you got to show up at the games, at least some of them. Have they made that a law recently uh, that I'm not it, aware of? No, it's written in the good book. You know? i got to go to some soccer game that's in the Bible? Yeah, Genesis, Genesis 28.3. And there's, says, there's lots of stuff in the Bible that we're not doing. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. We don't need to list them. Yeah, no. yeah, okay. No, we don't. We can point them out for you if you like, Jim. <laughs> Frank, uh, Frank's interview today brought to you by our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333 at Action Plumbing. Coming up next, we had a story last week, Gordon, about how Mike Leach is going to Mike Leach. Well, 
we got another story about how Michael Leach is going to Michael Leach. We'll get to that coming up next. Also, some more <laughs> college football notes uh, as well. Don't forget Mannix at 4, Tanner Mangum coming up at, uh, at 5 o'clock. And uh, then we've got a Raiders report for you at 5.30 with our friend uh, Keont Myers from Silver and Black today. So stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Big show. <laughs> Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. You know, a lot of our listeners won't remember this or weren't around for it. But when Elvis was uh, uh, appearing on television and whatnot, it created quite a bit of controversy, you know, with his gyrations and whatnot. That's, and, uh, that's uh, what I heard. They won't show him from the waist down, right? Yeah, and it was, I mean, that would be kind of laughable by today's standards, but back then it was a big deal. They have an entire, well, no, I'm not going to make that joke. Never mind. I would have gone too far. Uh, we, uh, Gordon, we talked last week about how Mike Leach, uh, one of his uh, habits over the years, and we saw it at Washington State a bunch, was to get a big-time win where they slay the giant and then uh, turn around and lose to a dog. Like they beat LSU and then lost Arkansas. Well, another thing Mike Leach is famous for is throwing his players right under the bus. <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, remember, let's uh, let's take a little walk down memory lane, shall we? Uh, this was last year, right, Austin? After uh, September 28th, after the Utes beat Washington State, Mike Leach explained to us why. It's difficult to say because you saw a pretty tough football team play a very soft football team. You know, and it's difficult to say how tough Utah is because they had token resistance on both sides of the ball for us. And, um, well, we're a very soft team. You know, we get a lot of good press. We like to read it a lot. Uh, We like to pat ourselves on the back. Um, You know, and if we get any resistance... We fold. And what's amazing about this is um, uh, most of these guys were on the same team last year that was a tough team. Last year's team was a tough team for us. Um, and uh, we got nearly the same guys, and now all of a sudden they're not tough. You know, they're fat, dumb, and happy, and entitled. Fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. <laughs> oh, Man. And you soft. Know, and soft. See, here's the thing about it, though. I mean... Are you going to defend Leach here? No. Do you think the players take it literally? Or do you think they're just chalking it up to that's Mike Leach just being a caricature? Well, wait till you hear what he said this week. Yeah, I I definitely think uh, players on the team were insulted by his comments. (laughs) Fat, dumb, and happy. And entitled. And soft. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not defending it. He means it it in the uh, best ways. I, and I'm not defending it. I, I just mean almost in, a, and I'm sure it's not comical while at practice because he's probably working them real hard. But I, I think sometimes I almost want to laugh out loud when I hear what Mike Leach says. Oh yeah, I find it really funny. But you asked about the players. 
That's not so funny when it's aimed I, I mean, at you. what if Jake called you those things? Fat and dumb. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, you know, some people are just funny. Uh, uh, you know that he's an exaggeration. He's not. He's a walking exaggeration. He's not he, triumph the insult comic dog. He's a he's a <laughs> Division One college football coach. He's supposed to yeah, be a but leader they know of, that. of young people. No, that's, that's they, they know that thing. about him. They know that Mike Leach is a maniac. They know. Uh, I told you about the time when I interviewed him, and he was swearing at his bike the whole time. You know, and it's just, it, it, it's kind of, I, I, I think they, they kind of would be disappointed if he didn't go there. They would. They would be disappointed. Okay. Signed, yeah, like, stop. Okay. We got to play there. We got to get to so what he's, he. They'd call. He'd. Call, they'd get called <laughs> fat, dumb, and average. Uh, let's let's get to what he said now because I can't believe I can't believe what I'm hearing. Uh, but here's what Leach said after uh, his team lost to Kentucky. Quote: We're going to have to check some of our group and figure out who really wants to be here because any malcontents, we're going to have to uh, purge a couple of those. Unquote. Okay. Uh, I mean. Look, I, I'm all about coaches respecting their players and doing. But but what did he say there that was incorrect? Well, first of all, using the word purge is a tad bit insensitive, don't okay. you think? Okay, all right, all right. Well, and so he's basically saying my team's so bad that we're going to have to cut a few guys. Yeah, I think that's that's good to say. In the, but in a but post again, game. he's bombastic. It's kind of like there are some coaches when they say things, they really mean them. And I think Mike Leach is putting on a show. And I think his players know that he's putting on a show. Now, that's maybe maybe that's naivete on my part because I'm not out there getting screamed at in practice or, well, being, put, or being put in a shed. Let me ask you, know, you this. Or, let me you ask know, you. Something like that. But I think a lot of them, no, they just roll their eyes and go, that's Mike being Mike. He's just being goofy. Would uh, you think uh, Rick Majerus' players said the same thing? No, because he he absolutely was dead serious. You don't think his... Mike's dead serious? I think I don't he is. know. He called his I, players I fat, what... dumb, and happy, and entitled, and soft. Yeah, but and now he's openly now he's a, he, Mike Leach is a caricature. He's a cartoon. So was Majerus. Uh no. <laughs> I failed to I see the difference here. Uh, I I think there might be, and I'm not, again. I'm not defending it. It's not the way I would go about my business, and I'm not sure if I'm a parent. I would want my kid to uh, be subjected to all that. But I'm talking about the players themselves. I think they know that Mike is full of it. Well, I don't think Mike is full of it. I think Mike well, means that. Uh, see, does he? Yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't know if he means it or not. He might mean it to a certain level, but not the way he says it to the media. What about back in the day when he called their girlfriends fat? Right. Well, what he did with the whole thing with what's his name, the, the Craig James's Craig kid, James's yeah. kid. Yeah, that that seemed uh, quite extreme. But I was but. just leech being leech, man. Uh huh. He's putting on a show. Yeah, Gordon. he's just you know he's the pirate. Yeah, and he maybe, the well, sword, maybe, so, you guys, maybe, like, maybe, well, maybe you guys are right. Because I'm always he's the fat guy who wears the sweaters, and you know he's he gets no, very no, demonstrated no. on the sidelines. No, 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 he was man. probably you getting after him pretty you, good in you, practice, you, but it's you just Majerus. You talk to the players who are subjected to the things that were said, and there was nothing funny about it. Hmm. I wonder if uh, some. Of Leach's players would feel feel similarly. Well, maybe they do, and maybe you guys are right. But when I hear Mike Leach talk, I, it's hard for me to take him serious. Seriously, uh, some of that stuff is just 
seems like it's just for show. See, it's it's funny you take that away from Mike Leach because a couple of years ago, I noticed that it seems like his shtick with the media is to answer every question as literally as possible. <laughs> so it's funny that you you think, oh, it's just you know playing it off as uh, he's a goofy dude. If you listen to his full length interviews, even interviews with us. He, he, I think he finds it entertaining to take cliches and questions that we bozos in the media ask and to answer them as literally as he possibly can. That's why when he exa- answers those— Do we have those, some examples of it? Those, like those questions about uh, who do you uh, think is, would win in a mascot fight and that sort of thing where he goes through and, and answers it literally. <laughs> it breaks it down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, I think that it, it's interesting your take is not to take him seriously because I think what he does is actually answer everything he's asked as literally as possible. See, I don't know. I'm just guessing, you know. I, I, I'm guessing. If he does mean it, then, then I think it's way over the top. If it's, if it's just his players know that he's a cartoon character and that's somehow endearing to them or at least they can tolerate it, because they do think he's full of baloney, really. Uh, then, then, then I'm okay with it. But uh, if, if it's if it's meant to actually hurt people, uh, then then I say that's too much. So former Washington State uh, player Andre Dillard, who's now with an offensive lineman for the Eagles in the NFL, told the Clarion Ledger about Mike Leach. "Quote: He isn't exactly a coach you'd like to play for." He's just one of those guys who gets results, but the way he gets results is frowned upon by all the players. He never gave off any vibe that he cared about his players on a personal level. Playing for him felt a little bit like a dictatorship. Well, if that's the case, then... He said this in March, by the way. Yeah, then that's that's a shame. That really is. Uh, that's too bad. Uh, and again, I don't know Mike Leach other than having talked to him a couple times and... Uh, he seemed kind of laughable uh, when I talked with him, and I don't, I don't know how he actually is. If he doesn't care about his players, then shame on him. I mean, from a sports radio standpoint, I love him because it gives us great content and funny sound bites. But if it's my player, if it's my son or my daughter playing for a coach like that, I hate his guts. Why is he doing that? Why, why, are, why are schools hiring him if he disrespects his players and doesn't care about them? I think the the player Austin just read the quote from right there uh, answered that. Because he wins. Because he delivers results, but never the ultimate results, but he delivers results and everybody gets caught up in his cute little offense and uh, he feels good about themselves for 10 minutes and then he's talking about cutting malcontents. Yeah. Um, I, uh, like, I, have a, I have a funny tweet uh, that just came at me. Let me give credit where it's due. Jason says, you're such a baby. <laughs> I've got no problem with coaches coaching hard, but I think there's an appropriate way to do things. And I just, you're coming off a tough loss. You just usually don't hear coaches throw the players right under the bus. I mean, it's supposed to be a team thing, and you're supposed to be a leader. And I don't know if calling your players fat, dumb, happy, and entitled in the in the public, <laughs> to the in your post-game press conference, if that's really appropriate for a college football coach to do. See, Maybe that's hard, being a baby. It's just hard for me to believe that he really thinks that. Uh, I mean, if he does, then then I think that's a really bad thing. If he's just being bombastic and the players know it, and not so much. But from that quote you read, that uh, that sounds a bit on the convincing side in the wrong direction. All right, we'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the Big Show, ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty, the Zone. 
Alex Smith's first play is a swing pass to J.D. McKissick. Slips through a tackle, crosses the 40 to the 41 and out of bounds. Gain of six on first down on the first throw for Alex Smith in over two years. Very surreal at first. To have it happen as fast as it did was probably almost a blessing. Uh, you know, for me, obviously, just have to, you know, I knew it once once Kyle took that shot that there was a chance of it. And uh, obviously run over, grab my helmet, get ready to roll. So it was, it was kind of nice in that sense, not having to think about it. You just go out there and do it, you know, and, and then in that situation, kind of there in the half, you know, working some, uh, you know, trying to get the ball moving and obviously getting into a two-minute tempo was, was good as well in the same sense, just, just no thinking, going and playing. All right, a couple stories from the NFL over the weekend, Gordon, uh, to get to starting with Alex Smith. And uh, we'll have Chris Maddox, by the way, join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. But real quick, Alex Smith, after two years uh, recovery from just an absolutely devastating injury that nearly took his life, uh, nearly took his leg as well, uh, came back and played, went 9 of 17, 37 yards. He completed his, his first pass. But I, I saw people debating this online. His story has got to go down as one of the best comebacks in sports history, uh, I think. And and when he entered the game, uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, it almost gets you a little emotional considering how serious everything was. And he played like a quarterback who sort of hadn't seen action in a long, long time. But what do you expect? Well, I mean, he got sacked six times. Was I, was yeah. I the only one watching that on pins and needles? And just oh, yeah. yelling at the yeah. offensive line in my in my living room, like, "Come on, come on, guys!" Let's. Well, the thing about Alex Smith is he, uh, not only has he been a gifted athlete through the years, but he's a good guy. He I is. mean, that's my interpretation of him, and and he's easy to root for, that he'll he'll do well. But uh, yeah, he was put in a situation that was very difficult to succeed at. But, you know, that whole thing that he talked about, how it was almost a blessing not to know uh, what was going to happen. uh, I find that this is one of the reasons I really respect backup quarterbacks, because the position is so important to a team's success. And yet it, it is also reliant on everybody else doing their job. All of that, but pressure-packed situations if you care about winning a game. And one second, you're over there holding a clipboard, and the next second, the game depends on you. I mean, that's not easy to do, Jake. No. That'd be like that'd be like Austin sitting in the producer's room and uh, you and I just bailing and saying, okay, Austin, take over. You know? I mean, that that's... That's not easy to do, and yet that's what these quarterbacks have to deal with, these backup quarterbacks, because they don't—they never know when they're going to be called upon. Well, as far as Alex, Alex goes, all my interactions with him over the years have been extraordinarily positive. I love the yeah. way that he handled being a mentor to Patrick Mahomes. I think that takes a lot of maturity, and I think that's a, a, a good guy thing to do. And uh, I, thought, I thought it was an amazing story. And if you if you contrast that with the, the unfortunate uh, the situation with Dak Prescott, which uh, yes. uh, is j- just awful. And seeing yeah. the look on his face as he was carted off the field oh. was just gut- Tears in his eyes. wrenching And it's yes. he rolled the dice. They franchise tagged him. I mean, this is obviously going to severely affect the way that uh, the contract that he's going to be able to sign. You could see all that in his face. And you just think, man, the NFL is just a cruel, it's a cruel place in a lot of ways uh, for the players that play it. 
And um, yeah, I'm certainly far from a cowboy fan. And I don't know if I was 100% sold on Dak Prescott being a, you know, a real franchise quarterback that will put you in a position to win a Super Bowl. But he's pretty darn good, and uh, doesn't deserve to to uh, go through something like that. If I'm playing in the NFL, man, I'm I'm going for security. I think you know, because it's still a lot of money. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can you can get injured, and you and I have talked about this as far as the way the players are treated relative to other leagues, that the NFL players are easy to hope for better circumstances. I understand that there are certain guys who make a whole lot of money, and they are making a lot of money. Some of them really earn it. Some of them not not so much. But, Jake, every single play could be your last. Yeah, and for people, maybe I didn't set this up all that well. For people that didn't watch yesterday, Dak Prescott had an ankle injury that was just awful to watch. Yes. I mean, his, his foot was pointing the other direction. And um, uh, Jerry Jones did say this uh, will not have an effect on um, Dak, Dak Prescott's uh, future as the Dallas Cowboy quarterback. But, I mean, that's the right thing for Jerry to say, I guess. But uh, there's no way that's true. I mean, well, if that he's been, he's been under fire and uh, criticized for his attitude about the whole thing in the past. So, well, regardless, he, I mean, Dak Prescott, it, it's a lot like uh, it's a lot like Gordon Hayward. What 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 kind of player is he going to be when he comes back? And how long is that going to take? And the Cowboys are going to have to move on to a certain extent because those are big time un- unanswered questions. You see, when Jason Garrett came out on the field, yeah. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch, uh, caring about a quarterback you you worked with for so long. That was that was cool. Oh, but, I, yeah. I I don't care who you were. There's no way you could watch that and not really feel yeah. for that guy. And yep. I'm happy. You know, the the franchise tag is certainly a controversial thing in the NFL. And uh, regardless of of whether you think it's it's good for the players or not, because it's probably not. But at least. You know, what's he getting paid this year? It's like it, it's something healthy. I mean, he's making in the I think it's high twenties, what the franchise tag was for this year. So at least at least that's a good part of it, I guess. But when you look at the long term money he was going to be able to make, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's tough. Yeah, I, that's the part of football that I really struggle with. I mean, maybe I am soft in my old age, well, but I hate seeing guys get hurt. It's 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 my least favorite. I mean, it's the worst thing about loving to watch football, and that's why I don't. I'm not a huge. I'm not a big big hit guy. I I know the players get amped up over that stuff, but all I want to do is see somebody get tackled. I I, I don't want to see anybody crunched or crushed or anything. I, I that that risk for injury is very real for these guys. And as we talked about with Alex Smith, it can affect them in major ways beyond just, oh, I can't play next week. $31.4 million, by the way, is what uh, Dak is making this year. And if, you're, if you can stay healthy and play a couple franchise tag seasons, you can really cash in like Kirk Cousins did with, with the Vikings. But yeah. it does put a lot of pressure on, on uh, players staying healthy, and that's a position where you can take an injury. And that was, that was a real bad one. 
Did so. you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite game from the weekend? At any circumstance that stood out to you, Jake? Nope, out of time. Let's go. Uh, the Dolphins <laughs> winning was uh, was nice. Fake news didn't happen. Beating the Niners yeah, no, it did happen. By the way, Is smoking that- the Niners. What an embarrassment! Hey, the Dolphins. The, the Dolphins Niners. defense is pretty. It's not bad, man. Forty fine to seventeen. But, right. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Uh, the Jimmy, Brown. Jimmy, what are they going to do with quarterback, man? That looks like a mess Hunt. right now. Well, they've got a lot of problems. The Browns are good, and uh, Baker Mayfield's cocky again. Yeah, but they got to play the Steelers this week, and I don't know how that's going to go. We'll see. Did you see uh, Pete Carroll lose his mind after uh, his team came back to beat the Vikings 27-26 to <laughs> in the <laughs> locker room? What would, that's what you would expect, right? Yep. All right, stay tuned. Chris Russell, Wilson, Russell Wilson's having himself a year, no man. Doubt. Mannix joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.